welcome to Giving an Answer, the show dedicated to defending the historic Christian faith. I am your host, H.C. Felder, and today the topic is Understanding Cults, and I have with me my special guest, Dr. Ron Rose, and let me tell you about Dr. Rose. Dr. Rose has a master's degree in theology from Dallas Theological Seminary. He also has a doctorate degree from Dallas Theological Seminary as well. He's the author of over 35 books. He's a keynote speaker at conferences across the United States. He regularly addresses current issues in the national media. He teaches cult apologetics at Southern Evangelical Seminary, Talbot Seminary, and Biola University, as well as other well-known seminaries. He's also the president of Reasoning from the Scriptures Ministries. Welcome to the show, Dr. Rose. Well, thanks. It's good to be with you. Yes, it's nice to have you on the show, considering that I was one of your students, so it's, it's pretty good for me to be asking you questions this time. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of fun, you know, uh, to see what God does in the life of your students. Uh, yeah. It's always wonderful to be able to patch the, you know, pass the torch on, as it were, right? and uh, see where the students take that torch. And I'm glad you uh, accepted my invitation to be on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> okay, so tell us about your ministry, Reasoning from the Scriptures. Well, we're an apologetics organization, and that means that we focus on defending the Christian faith, and you know, the attacks against Christianity are relentless. If you watch the evening news, you constantly hear about how this discovery overturns the book of Genesis, yeah. or this particular atheist has a number one top-selling book yeah. against Christianity, or you might read something else about how uh, there's a Mormon candidate running for president, and, uh, you know, Mormonism is a true form of Christianity, according to these people. So you're hearing all kinds of different stuff in the news, and our organization exists to provide hard answers for Christians in defending the true Christian faith. And regardless of where the attack comes from, whether it's from cults or false world religions or atheists or whoever else, we try to provide answers that will help people. All right. Can you tell people how to get to your uh, website? Absolutely. Uh, we have a website with all kinds of free articles and free newsletters and stuff. And uh, you can reach that by going to ronroads.org. Let me spell that for you. It's R-O-N-R-H-O-D-E-S dot org. And if you go there, you'll find all kinds of links, and you can download all kinds of free information. We don't ask for money for that information, so... You know, if we can help you, do stop by and visit. All right. So the topic, again, is understanding cults. So the first question, Dr. Rose, is exactly what is a cult? Well, that's a difficult question. And the reason I say it's a difficult question is that you've got theologians and sociologists who offer different opinions as to what a cult is. And for that reason, there's an awful lot of people out there who don't even like to use the term cult because so many people have different definitions of it. And what I try to do is I try to be very objective about this question, and um, you know, if you've read some of my books, you'll see that I very clearly define what a cult is so that there's no confusion about it whatsoever. And uh, let me just tell you what a cult is from a theological perspective. A cult is a group that always emerges out of a parent or host religion. A major world religion like Christianity or Hinduism or Islam or Buddhism, a cult is a group that emerges out of one of those religions and even claims to be the true form of that religion, but in fact denies one or more of the essential doctrines of that religion. You know, just as an example, 
uh, out of the Islamic world religion came a particular group called the Baha'i Faith. So the Baha'i Faith emerged out of Islam, but it's really not true Islam because the Baha'i Faith says that the greatest prophet is named Baha'u'llah. Now, you know who the greatest prophet, according to Islam, is, right? Mohammed. Mohammed, that's right. So here you have a group that emerged out of Islam, but denies one of the essential doctrines of Islam, and therefore the Baha'i Faith would be called a cult of Islam. In the same way, you might have the Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons, for example, that emerge out of the host religion of Christianity, and they even claim to be the true form of Christianity, but in fact they deny one or more of the essential doctrines of Christianity, and therefore they are categorized as cults of Christianity. So these are very objective definitions of what a cult is. It's a lot more clear than uh, what you'll see in some books, but it's very important that people understand that when we use the term cult, it's not because we're trying to be mean-spirited. It's not because we're trying to be pejorative. We're not trying to insult anybody. Rather, the term is very clearly defined theologically as a group that emerges out of a parent or host religion and may even claim to be the true form of that religion, but in fact denies one or more of the essential doctrines of that religion and therefore is called a cult. Yeah, and this is very interesting what you said earlier about a lot of people not wanting to call cults cults. I was on a website registering for something at one time, and it was asking me my religious affiliation, and then they had a bunch of denominations. You know, they had, you know, Baptists, and they had, they had Pentecostal, and... And they also, and as a denomination, they had Mormon, they had Mormons, they had Jehovah Witness. So it was like it was treated like a denomination instead of another religion or a cult. Well, that's pretty common today, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, even today, when you look at some of uh, groups that have been traditionally understood to be cults, they're trying to position themselves in a much different way. For example, uh, you know, Mormons today position themselves as a denomination of Christianity. And they're even involved in the interfaith movement with Protestants and Catholics whenever a disaster occurs. So it looks like they're just one of the guys. But the fact is, and then, you know, we, I'm not saying this to be mean-spirited, but the fact is they do have a different view of God and a different view of Jesus, a different gospel, a different view of sin and salvation, and a different view of the afterlife than historic Christianity. And so, you know, when we categorize Mormonism as a cult, it's not because we're just trying to make like we're good and they're bad. This is just a, a theological definition. And, of course, I encourage Mormons to look at the truth of the Bible, because I think that if they look at the truth of the Bible, they will, in fact, see that many of the doctrines that they've been taught are unbiblical and, therefore, are unchristian. Right. So, exactly how many... Is there any way to tell how many cults there are? Well, yes and no. I say yes and no because, on the one hand, there are figures that are reported by the different groups out there, such as Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. On the other hand, it's a little bit difficult to measure some groups just because there are no reliable data available. For example, on the New Agers, it's very difficult to determine how many they are because, number one, Lots of people who hold to a New Age worldview don't even call themselves New Agers. I mean, the term New Age itself has kind of, uh, you know, become less popular today. And today it's more like the new spirituality, that they call it. But, but in any event, uh, it's very hard to get hard numbers related to some of those kind of groups. 
But in any event, uh, you know, we're tracking as many as 5,000 different cults in the world, probably about 150 million people involved. So that's a pretty uh, big, huge percent of people out there. Certainly your two largest cults, the uh, Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses, account for over 15 million of these people. But the thing is, they're growing incredibly fast. I mean, if you look at some of the, um, the data that's available on the growth of Mormonism, one of the, ast- the astonishing things that we find is that if they continue to grow at present rates, the number of missionaries sent out by Mormons will exceed those sent by Protestants and Catholics combined within the next 15 years or so. Wow. That's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? That is very scary. Wow. And unfortunately, there's so many Christians out there who, they're not really concerned about the uh, growth of the cults. They sort of think of it as a problem that the professionals need to deal with, you know? Let the pastors deal with it. Let the ministers of the church deal with it. It's not something that I personally have to deal with. But you know what? That's very short-sighted thinking, because one of the uh, groups that cults are targeting are people's children. Now, if you want to keep your children safe and keep them out of a cult, you really ought to get involved. You really ought to get involved in educating yourself as to what some of these cults believe, because a lot of these cults are targeting your children uh, in high school as well as in college. In fact, many of these cults are setting up offices on college campuses. And it's not just cults, but even world religions like Islam are setting up Islamic learning centers on college campuses. And when you combine that with the fact that Christianity will be attacked on college campuses by atheists and agnostic professors, well, if you haven't pre- you know, prepared your kids for what they're going to encounter, they're going to be in trouble by the time they get to college. So I always urge people to take this very seriously. Now, are the number of cults growing or decreasing? No, it's growing uh, dramatically. In fact, uh, it's hard to measure just how fast they're growing, but uh, every single year they're growing. I just take the Jehovah's Witnesses as an example. Uh, today, on a yearly basis, Jehovah's Witnesses are spending about 1.4 billion man-hours sharing their false gospel. But just think about that. billion man-hours. That is far more hours than is spent by traditional Christianity. Uh, And they're producing a phenomenal, ever-increasing number of books. You know, the average first printing of a New York Times bestseller is about 100,000 copies. Well, the average first printing of a Watchtower book is 5 million copies. And uh, their magazine, The Watchtower, you know, it, it, it goes out to more people than TV Guide and Reader's Digest and Time Magazine and Newsweek and all those combined. So, uh, you know, we need to take this seriously as a thing that's increasing. And, uh, you know, no longer can, can America be called an exclusively Christian country. Right. America is more of a cafeteria. And you know how a cafeteria is. You walk down the aisle, and you've got all kinds of different options as to what you can eat. In the same way, uh, America is sort of a cafeteria when it comes to different religions, because you've just got all kinds of options out there. And uh, as a result of that, I believe that Christians, more than ever, need to know why they believe what they believe. And here's another fact to keep in mind, and this gets kind of scary. You know, cultic ideas are penetrating the church as never before today. Yeah. You know, even in terms of what's called the emerging church movement, 
mysticism and occultism is penetrating mainstream Christianity like never before. No longer is the Bible viewed by many Christians as the exclusive word of God. Uh, more and more today, people are engaging in what they call contemplative prayer, which is just a way of getting in touch with God by mystical means. And they come to this sort of a sensation that they're one with all things, in that kind of a meditative state where you feel like you're just one with everything. Yeah. Well, this is in the Christian church today. And this is being, uh, you know, uh, taught uh, in some of the most popular books that are being read by Christians teach this stuff. Some of your most famous Christian recording artists, whose names I won't mention, but <laughs> I guarantee you, you've heard of them, they're promoting this stuff at their concerts. So, yeah, we need to be concerned about cultic ideas, because cultic ideas are actually penetrating the Christian church today. Yeah, i I, I become aware of that. And earlier you said something, we were talking about uh, what a cult is, and uh, I want to talk about some of the characteristics of a cult. And I know from taking your class that there are theological and sociological characteristics. Could you, uh, I know you touched on the theological, but you, could you go into this a little bit more? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> There's a number of characteristics theologically of a cult, and to begin with foundationally, typically cults have new revelation from God. You know, it's typically the leader of the cult who claims to have a direct pipeline to God, and uh, because of that, the uh, leader of the cult is very authoritative. Uh, I think about, for example, Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism. He claimed to have sort of a direct pipeline. He came up with new revelations and even wrote the Book of Mormon based upon some golden plates that uh, he allegedly discovered. Uh, cults also typically deny the sole authority of the Bible. Uh, very often, another holy book is brought into the picture. For example, with the Mormons, they bring in the Book of Mormon. With Christian scientists, they bring in Mary Baker Eddy's book called Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures. Uh, I think about uh, the Moonies or the Unification Church, which brings in a book called Divine Principle. Uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses have a series of books called Studies in the Scriptures. And they say that if you read the Bible alone, then you're going to be in darkness you know, within a couple of years. But if you read their series called Studies in the Scriptures, and don't even look at the Bible, you will be in the light and stay in the light during those years. Mm. So like I said, they've got a denial of the sole authority of the Bible. Right. Uh, almost always they will deny the doctrine of the Trinity. In fact, they've got all kinds of creative ways for denying the Trinity. Sometimes they might just say it doesn't make sense, or they might say that it's derived from paganism. But, of course, these are just uh, crazy arguments which are easily answered. Pagans didn't believe in the Trinity. They believed in a triad of three gods who led a pantheon of millions of other gods. That's not the doctrine of the Trinity. Cults also typically deny the full deity of Jesus Christ. You know, typically they're going to redefine who Jesus is. Some of them will say he's not God at all. Some of them will say he's God in a lesser way than God the Father. But any way you look at it, they've got a diminished view of who Jesus is. And not only that, they've got a diminished view of what Jesus did at the cross. Almost without exception, they will deny that Jesus solved the sin problem at the cross. And the reason for that is that cults will also teach that you've got to earn your salvation. Those two doctrines go together. You see, if Jesus actually attained man's salvation completely at the cross, then you don't have to engage in good works. 
But if, as a cult teaches, Christ did not accomplish full redemption at the cross, cults say it makes good sense that you've got to go out and earn your salvation and participate in the process. Uh, and as well, they also will deny the personality and deity of the Holy Spirit. They absolutely deny salvation by grace. In fact, grace is completely redefined. These are some of the kinds of things that you run into with uh, cults. Not every cult believes in uh, what I just said in the same degree, but uh, most of the cults believe in these to some degree or another. And uh, the reason why it's good to be aware of these characteristics is that even if you don't know a particular person is a cult member, if you start to notice some of these kinds of characteristics, there's a good chance that person actually does belong to a cult. It's just a good way of being being aware of who may and may not be a cult member. Now, what are some of the sociological characteristics of a cult? Well, there's a number of sociological characteristics of the cults which help us to sort of understand the mentality of cult members. Uh, first of all, there would be authoritarian leadership. Typically, a cult is led by one primary person who is in absolute control. And uh, this person will tell you that you must absolutely obey his words because his words come directly from God. Some of these leaders might even claim to be a reincarnation of Christ. Uh, some of them may claim to have the final definitive interpretation of the Word of God. And as a result of that, um, you know, cult members basically have this idea of even worshiping the cult leader. Another characteristic is exclusivism absolute exclusivism. Typically, each of the cults will say that they are the exclusive community of saved people on planet Earth. If you don't join their group, then you're not one of the saved, period. Right. Yet another characteristic is that they are isolationists. Not every cult is isolationist, but many of them are. What I mean by that is that they typically isolate themselves away from mainstream society. Uh, they even break up families. For example, they might keep a, uh, a young person away from mom and dad. And typically they might even tell the young person to expect mom and dad to show up and be used by the devil to try to talk them out of remaining with their group. Yeah. And then when mom and dad do show up, it makes it look like the group was a true prophet because, indeed, the, uh, the parents do try to get them out of that group. So, you know, you have to understand that this is all part of the cultic mentality. They want to maintain control over all cult members, and that's one of the reasons why they often isolate people away from their families. Right. Well, what I'm going to, to do is I'm going to uh, list some cults, and I want you to tell me what makes this particular group a cult. Okay, good. Let's start off with the Jehovah Witnesses. What makes Jehovah Witnesses a cult? Well, again, the Jehovah's Witnesses emerged out of the host religion of Christianity and even claim to be true Christianity, but they're not true Christians because they deny many essential doctrines of Christianity. For example, they deny the doctrine of the Trinity. Second, they deny the absolute deity of Jesus Christ and hold that Jesus Christ is a lesser God than God the Father. That means they believe in two gods, God the Father and Jesus Christ, a lesser God. Uh, third, they deny the personality as well as the deity of the Holy Spirit. They certainly deny salvation by grace. They say that you've got to participate in good works to be saved. So one point after another leads me to believe that the Jehovah's Witnesses are a cult simply because they deny all the big doctrines 
of Christianity. Okay. What about the Mormons, Dr. Rhodes? Well, the Mormons likewise are called a cult because they deny the major essential doctrines of Christianity. For example, they've got a different basis of authority. It's not just the Bible, which they undermine, but also the Book of Mormon and even other books, like the Pearl of Great Price. Uh, they've also got a different concept of God. They say that God was once a man who progressed through a school of life on earth and eventually became a god based upon his good efforts. They will also teach that just as the Father eventually became God, so you and I as human beings can go through an extended process where we become gods. That ends up meaning that the Mormons believe in millions upon millions of gods. That hardly sounds like Christianity. They certainly have a different view of Jesus. They say that Jesus was first born as a great spirit baby, the first spirit baby of the Heavenly Father and the Heavenly Mother, or one of his heavenly wives, anyway. Right. And when it came time for Jesus to be born on earth, the Heavenly Father in his physical body came down and had physical relations with his daughter Mary, who then gave birth to Jesus. That hardly sounds like the Jesus of the Bible. Right. So again, my point is, they claim to be Christian, but in fact they deny the major essential doctrines of Christianity. What about the mind sciences? Well, the mind sciences likewise have a different concept of God and Jesus, and even the doctrine of Revelation. Uh, many of the mind science cults will believe that God's revelation comes not just in the Bible, but also in the Hindu Vedas and the Muslim Quran, and the New Age Aquarian Gospel of Jesus the Christ, in other words, God reveals himself in many religions. God is viewed pantheistically, which means that God is everything. If God is everything, that ultimately means that man, too, is God. That means that man does not have a sin problem, nor does man need to be saved. Uh, furthermore, they've got a different view of Jesus Christ. In fact, they will tell you that Jesus is just a man who attained Christ consciousness. And just as Jesus became the Christ, so you and I can become the Christ as well. Well, obviously, all the stuff that I've just told you hardly sounds like the Christianity of the Bible. And so this is a cult. It's a group that may claim allegiance to Christianity, but in fact is a cult because they deny one or more of the essential doctrines of Christianity. Now, a number of people may not be familiar with the term mind sciences. What cults actually come under that topic? Well, I'm talking about cults like um, the Unity School of Christianity and Religious Science, uh, and even uh, Christian Science, founded by Mary Baker Eddy. Some people actually talk about Christian Science being in a group all its own, but ultimately uh, Christian Science belongs in the same category with these other groups. And actually, uh, when we use the term science, we're not talking about the scientific theory. We're talking about metaphysics which is an entirely different thing. And without getting too complicated, all the mind science groups emerged out of the New Thought movement, which really came out of the thinking of Phineas P. Quimby. Here was a guy who started to teach all these kind of weird doctrines similar to what I mentioned earlier. And out of his teachings grew the Unity School of Christianity and Religious Science and Christian Science. And so here you have a case where one guy caused all kinds of trouble. Right. <laughs> We see some of his teachings actually infiltrating the church of Christians to major denominations today as well. Well, we do. In fact, uh, this is primarily in several different groups. Uh, one is the Word Faith Movement. 
the word faith movement is strongly affiliated with some of the mind science cults because, like the mind science cults, uh, the word faith movement believes that you can actually control reality by the power of the mind and the power of the spoken word. Right. And uh, this is something that Phineas P. Quimby himself taught. He taught the idea of mind over matter. And so people in the word faith movement today use these same kinds of mind over matter techniques. Uh, there are other people that um, are in the extreme charismatic side of things, even though they don't claim to be word faith. But nevertheless, they hold to some of these same kinds of mind-over-matter techniques. And by the way, I might mention to you that you see, you see these same techniques in the New Age movement today. There's a lot of people like David Spangler and George Trevelyan and other people who teach some of these same kinds of mind-over-matter techniques. And I'm sure you've seen some of these books by New Agers like Deepak Chopra and uh, you know some of these other health guys who talk about healing your body by the power of the mind and all right. this sort of thing. Well, these are just basically some of the same ideas that grew out of that same individual, Phineas P. Quimby. As you were speaking about the New Age, what makes them a cult? Well, that's a good question, because the New Age is, is a movement that actually embraces many cults. The reason we call it a movement is because there's no single leader, there's no single doctrine that you have to believe, but nevertheless, they are united by their common worldview, which is basically a pantheistic worldview and a mystical worldview. And they're also united in their view that mankind is headed towards a new age of enlightenment and harmony. Now, within the New Age movement, you've got many, many distinctive cults, such as, for example, uh, how about theosophy? How about anthroposophy? How about the arcane school? How about the church universal and triumphant? I've just named a bunch of cults that probably most of your listeners have never even heard of. Right. But these are cults that are part and partial of the New Age movement because they hold sort of a New Age mystical worldview, and they all believe that in some way we're headed towards a New Age of enlightenment and harmony. Right. What are the dangers of belonging to a cult? Well, where do I start? I mean, there's just all kinds of dangers. I could point to physical dangers, emotional dangers, and spiritual dangers. What about physical dangers? Well, just to give you an example, the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that you can't get blood transfusions. Now, I wish I could tell you how many Jehovah's Witness children have died as a result of not being able to get a blood transfusion, but there's just hundreds upon hundreds of them. Likewise, the Christian science cult denies, denies the existence of sickness and death. Therefore, they don't go to a doctor when they get sick. As a result, many Christian science children have died as well. So those are just some examples of the kind of physical carnage that exists out there. In terms of emotional injury, I'm talking primarily about guilt and fear. For example, um, most cults teach a works-oriented salvation got to obey the rules. Well, most cult members know they're not doing a very good job of obeying, so they've got guilt. The preceding show has been sponsored by Giving an Answer with your host, H.C. Felder. So you can hear this broadcast as well as other episodes by visiting us online at givinganswer.org. You can also order a CD 
or a DVD of the studio recording by calling me at 704-248-7840. And remember, this show will only stay on the air if people continue to help us buy airtime. So I encourage you to consider making a tax-deductible financial donation to this ministry. That phone number again is 704-248-7840. And be sure to join me again next time on Giving an Answer.